Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Jay Swords. My name is John Keeley. This is the podcast segment of our show that is not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for the 364th show is author Linda McCann, who will be talking to us about her book, POWs in Iowa, 1943 to 1946. Our history buff today's show is Brett Menard. Brett, you get the first question in the podcast segment. Oh, joy. (laughs) So one of the things that we talked about during the broadcast segment was about the nativity set that some POWs built. Were there any other ways that POWs tried to give back to the communities that housed them? Well, there is. Again, at both the Algona and Clorinda museums, they have things that the prisoners did. They did woodworking. They drew pictures, and the pictures are just unreal. There are several of the pictures in my book that, you know, they would draw them and give them to somebody and that sort of thing. At Charles City, their POW, they had a jeweler, and he actually repaired watches, and then he made some jewelry that is around. And there's there's a lot out there. Down at Muscatine, at the Muscatine Art Center, they have some stuff that was done by the prisoners because Muscatine had a camp. And it's it's really interesting to think about these guys being prisoners and they're doing this work that is unreal, you know. Okay. Um, uh, a question I was going to ask is you talked pretty much about Waverly. Uh, with Clinton and Muscatine, uh, what were the locations of those camps? Because uh, that's pretty much in our backyard. And uh, were there other ones? In, uh, were there, what other ones were there in uh, further southeastern Iowa? Yeah. Clinton had two camps. One of the camps was at the Isaac Walton Park, and it was just a tent camp. And they worked at the Pillsbury Feed Mill, Pillsbury Factory. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the German prisoners. The the Italian prisoners were at Schick Hospital there in Clinton, which, again, Schick Hospital is a whole story unto itself, but, you know. Yep. Yes, it is. And at Schick Hospital, they actually worked in the hospital. These were Italians doing um, cleaning, toiletry, you know, landscaping outdoors, this sort of thing. And, you know, they interacted with the the American uh, veterans and, you know, got along just great. At Muscatine, um, again, they were Germans, and they worked at the Heinz factory, canning tomatoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, West Liberty had prisoners. They lived at the fairgrounds, and again, this was pioneer seed corn. So they worked in the fields, and then you know helped maybe go to the canning factories. So it, it's just real unusual. It's really something to think about where they were at and what they did. Linda, I don't know that we ever mentioned, so what kinds of numbers are we talking about? Are we talking about a few thousand? Are we talking about ten or 20,000? In Iowa, we had about 25,000 just in Iowa. Nationwide, we had about 435,000. And every state had POWs, but 
Vermont, North Dakota, and Nevada. Every other state had POWs. Really? Yeah. I mean, again, wow. Down south, they picked tobacco or cotton, you know. They In Minnesota, they went up and did logging. Uh, again, uh, I just find it amusing yeah. that even with uh, prisoners of war, they thought it was too cruel, cruel to send them to North Dakota. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't argue that one. But on a serious there is a, there is a Geneva Convention. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, on, on a serious note, though, uh, taking Brett's comical statement and, and throwing reality of it, you, I'm sure, could do a study showing that, yeah, these prisoners of World War II were getting treated much better than the Japanese who were Americans who were in the internment camps out oh, in California or other much. minorities whose mm-hmm. rights had not been recognized or ignored for, for uh, over a century. Right, exactly. And, and again, I had a person trying to tell me that there were Japanese prisoners in, in uh, Nevada. And I'm saying, I don't think so. Are you sure you're not talking about the internment camps? Well, he finally agreed he was talking about the internment camps, you know. But I had a, a group of young people this night. They knew nothing about what the internment camps were. They, you know, I had to actually stop and and fill them in on what an internment camp was because I didn't want to leave them standing there not knowing, you know. And right. And again... It's a subject they don't know anything about. Actually, my oldest granddaughter, who's a senior at Warburg, said to me last summer, Grandma, were the internment camps different than the POW camps? And I'm just like going, really? You know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, um, Linda, I'm interested. We haven't talked yet about sort of the leadership here. Um was this a purely military exercise? Was there some sort of sharing between the military and the the local political leadership? I'm thinking of mayors and and things like that. Um, because you know, 25,000 folks in a state uh, of Iowa at the time, particularly when you think that a lot of the the men are gone, um, that was a fairly sizable. Uh, yeah. portion of, of the population of the state right. at that moment. Um, so how was this being managed? It was completely military. The The military oversaw the camps. They over, did the guarding. You know, the, a lot of them really tried to cut down on the interaction between American citizens and the whichever POWs. They really didn't want it to happen. But like I said, in some places more happened than in others and such. But, yeah, it was very much military. Now, as the war went along, up at Algona, they ended up with five American POWs that had got out, got back to the U.S. They they wanted them to recover, of course, so they put them guarding prisoners at the Algona camp. Well, one of the Americans came to the commander and he said, do not let me have anything to do with the prisoners. I don't trust myself, which I respect that. I mean, that's great that he could see this. Uh, another guy wrote about his experience. He had pretty much the same attitude, but as he got to know the prisoners, he came to respect them because they were doing what they had to do so they could get home and be with their families. You know, And that's just how he said it. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's a valid point because, uh, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, the savages that fought on all three sides, I mean, the Vapen SS, uh, the cruelest organization of any military branch in probably the history of the world, but um, when you had countries that you had no other choice but to be right. part of their party and right. part of their military, uh, we always sit there and think that there was a, a great deal of choice, and in many aspects there wasn't. Right, exactly. And and even now it's tough to get through this. Even people in their 40s and 50s don't realize how, especially the German and Italians, had no choice. You know, you supported Hitler and all of this, or you were probably dead, and your family too. Right. Yeah, and and Linda, that kind of John leads me into a question that that you talked about in the in the book. Uh, at the end of the war, as these POWs are being re- are being processed um, to go back home, mm-hmm. there were definitely, I guess we would today in today's terms we'd call it debriefing, mm-hmm. but but there were definitely um, some conversations and some teaching and training. Yeah. That hopefully, these guys would do. So, can you talk a bit about that? Well, and it's it was real difficult to find anything on that. And there were, like you say, within different camps, they were looking for these prisoners that they could maybe put the bug in their ear that you want to tell us what's going on in your country when you get home and some of this sort of thing. And and they would, you know, well, several of them were taught English and they were hired by the American troops in Germany when they got home and some of this sort of thing. And we did try to do some indoctrination or, you know, our own brainwashing a little bit or something, but we did do some of that, yes. Right. Were there uh, any uh, any stories about you? American guards mistreating prisoners. You said there were certainly some um, former American POWs who who thought about it. Did anybody go through with it? I found nothing on any that were ever mistreated, and the Germans that came back wanted to find people to talk to that they had seen. Um, This fellow that lived beside the camp in Waverly said he has had them come to his door, knock on his door, Remember me? This is my family, and he wanted to show them. They wanted to show where the camp was and who's around that I can, my family can meet. This sort of thing, you know. Really? So I found nothing that 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 the German or Japanese or Italians were mistreated. Really? Well, and I think that goes back to your comment at the end of the radio segment about you know if you do things the right way mm-hmm. for the right reasons. Right. Um, you get remarkable results on, right. and, and to me, that it's that's a rem- more than a, it's an almost hard to believe result that that you right. would have had those kinds of connections. Well, we would like to thank our guest for this 364th show, author Linda McCain, who's been talking to us about her book POWs in Iowa, 1943 to 46. The history buff buff for today's show was Brett Menard. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. 
put K-A-L-A-H-D2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard on SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.